November 29, 2002, day after Thanksgiving, happy Buy Nothing Day. It's the What From Pedro Show. Thank you. 
Watt from Pedro Show for no November 29, 2002. Day after Thanksgiving, no buy day, buy nothing yeah, day. All right, Brother Matt? Yeah. Let's get you up here. Don't, don't be a consumer. Yeah. Take a day off. Take a day. <laughs> Let's get you talking there. Hello, world. Okay. Um, anyway, uh, we give thanks that we're all here to do another Watt from Pedro show. <laughs> I know it's been a couple weeks. We've been yeah, busy, little yeah, been clams. I was cranking. in uh, Vancouver. Where were you, brother Matt? I was just uh, cranking around town, basically. Man, I don't know why I don't have you here. Where you see? Hello. There you are. Hey. Maybe, uh, it's just so. Stealth voice. Another shadow. <laughs> anyway, uh, you've been around town? Um, let's see. I, I uh, DJed a little party. That was cool. I uh, got a new mixer. That's cool. My first score on eBay. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, I was a consumer. That's where I got um, my pewter. <laughs> I've only done it once, it too. It worked. It worked. Um, so that was neat. I got a new toy, um, and I've just been working hard. We got a special guest in the studio, Mr. Josh Hayden. How are you, Josh? Well, fine. How, how are you doing? We're glad to have you aboard. Thank you. Um, um, Brother Pet has a band in Spain. I go way back with him. I produced your first album. Yes. How many years now? The Treacherous Jaywalkers. Mm. Sometime... Uh, in I the was, early uh, 90s? No, no. I was late, late 80s? 80s? I was probably 88 or 87, 87. So like 15 years ago. Yeah. Wow. What happened to those cats? Uh, it was a trio. Uh, I, yeah, I know that um, last I heard, Quinn, the guitarist, is living uh, um, in San Francisco and... James, the drummer, was getting his uh, master's in English from in New Orleans. But the, so he's a writer. Uh, I think so. But you've been uh, kind of out of yeah, touch. Yeah, out of touch. Man, we got a roaring sounds, of course. Now we have to do an early show today because uh, Brother Matt's got things in the afternoon. That's why I uh, brought you down. Yeah. Josh had to come where from Venice. No, from from Silver Lake. You're in Silver yeah. Lake. Yeah. Weren't you living in Venice? Yeah. Okay. Was that many years ago too? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's hard for me to keep up sometimes with the with the memory spiel. So, you haven't really played with them, the treacherous guys, in a long time. Yeah. And how long Spain's been around now? What five, eight years? Uh, since. Nine or early nineties. It's almost ten years. Yeah, almost ten years. That bone phone. Uh, you're working on a new record, right? Uh -huh. That's what you were telling me. Yeah. The pad when I did that gig with Nels. I'm playing with Nels again tonight at Sunset Beach, which is okay. a trippy place around the border of Orange County. Yeah. It's in a strip mall. It's called Cosmos. Oh. And. Uh, Obviously, I'll play anywhere. The uh, night before last, I was at the Hard Rock Cafe in the Beverly Center. Man, what a joke. You know? It was funny, too, because I guess these kids at Malibu High all rented a bus, like 100 little kids from the high school at Malibu. 
So it was like, yeah, you know, and it was most of the people were like not not even 25 or 22 or 20. It was a trip, sort of like an inside warp tour thing. Yeah, yeah, field trip. Let's go to the punk gig. Get notes from their parents. Yeah, it, it was um, it was kind of a mind blow, and if there was five opening bands, so yeah, you know, by the time we went on, they were all wore out. <laughs> you know, so uh, I thought the band played okay, though. You saw it, right, Chris? Yeah, in fact, you guys got good pictures. Yeah, you got some good. There's some blurs. You move the camera, but you got some good ones. You got real one really good one of me and Nels together. He's got the statue. I mean, this place very kitschy with the yard. Okay, and then like, Nels is playing in front of the statue of the statue. Of the statue of the statue. Yeah, that's bad English, huh? No, or some Wells would say, "Who writes this shit?" <laughs> no, a, a replica of the Statue of Liberty. And like so, the pictures you got, yeah, and the torch is coming out of his head, the arms coming out of his head. You don't notice these things when you're taking snaps, like microphone growing out of the nose, you know, these kind of things. But I, I did get some good shots. And uh, I mean, obviously, music came very secondary here. <laughs> you know, they got all the kitsch on the wall. The Iggy, it's cool, an Iggy Pop picture and. A guitar supposedly Billy Gibbons played, not. Sonic Youth poster, gratuitous, whatever. <laughs> it's just crap, you know? Just get the t-shirt, buy the hamburger, you know? And so they set up some little stage with the rinky-dink guitar center, uh, shit hard center, PA, you know, that's total toy. The bar is the main thing, right? You know, the bar's in the center of the pad. Like stage to the side, you know, where the people are to the side. It's really the bar, you know. It's bizarre. Uh, priorities, you know, hard rock. Hardly. You know. <laughs> but uh, it's the first time I have. No, I played one in Las Vegas with porno. So it's the second one. Yeah, both of them with Perkins. He was playing like crazy. He does that. Yeah, he, he goes, wow, I'm going to play with him again tomorrow. In Long Beach, it's the last banyan gig of the year. Then he's got to go off on some Jane Addiction stuff. I don't know. Maybe we'll get to do some in January. Tuesday or Wednesday, I leave for Europe. I'm going to do those gigs with uh, Jay and Ashton Brothers. Cool. Four gigs. Stooges. So That's kind of exciting. Uh, although I'm very pressed for time. Had a hard drive crash. Watch those IBM uh, Ultrascar... Ultra Star SCSI drives. They're weak. And we replaced it with a, a Seagate Cheetah five year warranty. A lot of the people are changing their warranties to one year. Weak. Washed your hands up. Yeah, if you make something good, why wouldn't you stand behind it? Anyway, so I had a crash there, and then when I replaced it, boom, monitor burns out. But that served me for 10 years. So it was a good one. Got a lot of miles out of it. So why did I get a new monitor, new hardware? Get the whole new computer center. But, yeah, and now with the eBay thing, because a few months ago, maybe a month ago, the old 8500 winded down. So, And you got an eBay thing, too. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of a neat thing because stuff gets recycled, huh? Yeah, dude lives close to it out of everyone in the world betting on the things. Uh, 
dude lives in Venice, so we just worked out the cool deal, saved shipping and insurance costs. And you won. I like yeah. the way they say that. You win the bid. Yeah. Is that yours, Josh? I don't know. No, let's go to Matt's. For some reason, your game is tiny, brother. You got the tiny game. Try it now. Hello there. I'm back with bigger game. Yeah. But, of course, that brings in more street noise. You can't win, huh? Yeah, now we got a nice ambience I'm hearing in the phone of all the Pedro traffic. In stereo. In stereo. Well, you're kind of starboard. And I'm on the port, so we give some spatiality to, Ooh, to the folks. Red lights, green lights. So I'm going to play something here now from your sister from her imaginary land record. She told me the story of imaginary bear. Yeah. <laughs> you know about uh-huh. it. Uh-huh. I think they should make it into a cartoon or something. He's got his own voice. Yeah. <laughs> they just woke up. Well, anyway, she didn't have a record. Had to write, email Devin to oh. blow one, and then he didn't have one. He had to burn me one. Oh. So I got the Xerox cover. Wow. But do you know about this sellout thing? Uh, the Who project? Yeah. yeah. She went and acapellaed all of the sellout. Wow. She called me and she finished now. Okay. Because they reissued it on CD with all these bonus tracks. They said, look, you only have to go to the real album. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All that. And it was really heavy. One of the reasons I asked her to do it was um, when me and Dee Boom were boys, that was our favorite record. We loved it. And, uh, of course, she didn't grow up with that stuff. In fact, I don't think she heard any of it before I played it for her. So it was, it's a trippy dynamic. Because for her to play everything with her voice, she had to get very intimate with stuff she had no idea about. Yeah. But when I heard it, you know, it has all these old days connections for me. Like, there's a song on there called Sunrise. That's Dee Boone's favorite song of all time. So this is Townsend playing jazz. Yeah. just love that song. So it's weird how the degrees of separation. And now she's really proud of it. She wants to put it out. I think she did great. I mean, I've only heard... She plays it for me over the phone. So oh. Yeah, we got the roars going pretty good, huh? Mike, you're doing the walkers. Yeah. Even through the wall, these people, instead of joining a band, they just don't buy a muffler. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, um, wow, I've been spieling so much. The CD players lost track of the songs. When the hibernation mode. Imaginary bears hibernate. The fecal plug is in, in, You know about that? Uh-oh. You know, I got a friend who's big with nature, trains dogs and stuff. You know Nanny. She does my shirts. And she knows everything about everything animal-wise. And when bears hibernate, they go, their brain's gorged with blood, you know, so they can conk and be still. But they, there's this kind of like little tail that goes in and stops up the outdoor, you know. That's called the fecal plug. Oh. Now you can imagine that spring wake-up dump must be <laughs> powerful. Anyway, here's Petra Hayden, what from Pedro Show. La, 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 la.
What from Pedro show? That's something you picked, Josh. Huh? Yes. That's um, Johnny Staccato by uh, Peter Maurice. Yeah. Yeah. What made you want to play that? Oh, I, I don't know. I, I picked it up for ninety-two cents at the store, and I did a little research on it, and it's uh, it's from a, a TV show from the early '60s, starring John Cassavetes as a um. A jazz musician slash private detective, and uh, <laughs> I could, it all centers around this bar. And he walks the whole plot. I saw four episodes, and it's like the plot is he walks out the door of the bar, and whatever happens to him out outside the door is the storyline for the rest of the show. Oh, so wow. it's it's pretty cool. <laughs> so, so tensions out of small things. Yeah. That can be, yeah. It doesn't always have to be like the world hanging by a thread waiting yeah. for uh, Schwarzenegger Stallone to save it to make good mm. drama. Could be uh, whether you're going to pick up a stray cat or something. Yeah, There's per- all kinds of dilemmas. Perfect theme song, too, for a jazzy detective. Yeah, exactly. His movies are intense. Yeah. A lot of people complain he's mean on women. Remember we were talking about that? You agree with that? He's not that mean on His wife was in a lot of the films, right? Yeah, yeah. in most of them. And, uh, well, it's good for everybody to think about things with their own mind because uh, sometimes trendy opinions will just start doing lip service without thinking about things. Yeah, people get thoughts, but they don't always think. <laughs> Words to pedal by, brother Matt. Okay, uh, before Johnny Staccato, we had Tenderloin doing Soul Cold, a Texas band full of fat guys. And drummer looks like uh, the Muppet Animal. I got to play with them with the Black King. They're good guys. Started that set with Petra Hayden from Imaginary Land, a song called Red. And I was uh, spieling so much, I forgot to talk about what we started the whole show with, John Coltrane. Blue Train Locomotion. My sister got me a leash, and uh, it rings now with training in. <laughs> okay, and uh, after that was uh, D. Boone and Friends, an outtake from that CD Richard Derrick's putting out, something called Holidays in the Sun, which is a terrible title, right? Because uh, there's a Sex Pistol song called that, huh? Holiday in the Sun. I guess Sex Pistols is called Holidays in the Sun. See, these things were jams and stuff, and um, they didn't have titles. So him and Richard Derrick and Crane brainstormed titles. But like they call one Eva Destruction. Uh-huh. And we know about the P.F. Sloan, yeah, right? Yeah, P.F. Sloan. He was on my show a few times. Right. Richard said he never heard of the song. So he called the song that, and it's not that. And now we got Holiday in the Sun, so whatever. <laughs> You know, I'm glad in a way he's just putting it out so people get another side of D. Boone uh, when he was in his private moments. And yeah, yeah, so fun. Not jams, really being yeah. a minute man so much, but uh, just hanging out with uh, Richard and Crane and mm-hmm. maybe kind of buzz a little bit, just <laughs> letting the uh, yeah, meatloaf. Yeah. Okay, uh, we start to talk about Spain. What's the new plan? Oh, well, um, I'm supposed to start recording my uh, the next record next month. 
um, with Dan the Automator producing. So cool. I'm looking forward to it. Where are you going to do it? Up in San Francisco. Oh, wow. At, uh, at Dan's studio. And what number record is this? Three? Four. Four? Yeah. All right. And then a tour? Hopefully, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so fourth Spain record. Yes. Now, you play these things for your pop. Yeah. It sits around, right? And you play them. And um, he has uh, ideas, advice, uh, comments. Uh, it's mostly uh, just the, uh, the kind of things he likes about, about the songs. You know, it's not too critical. <laughs> All right. It's usually supportive. Yeah. And maybe if there is negative stuff, he ain't saying. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> no. Um, I've always wondered, though, about those cats. You come from acoustic yeah. traditions and stuff, whether my music is just so loud and I'm just yeah. pounding on them, you know? And uh, talking to your sister when she was on the show, she said when she was a girl and playing for going to see your pop play with Ornette, it was really loud and stuff. So I was asking you when music was yeah. playing, what was it like that for you? And you said it wasn't. I, I, I don't remember it being too too loud. Maybe it was the craziness. Yeah. Because it really was crazy for me when I first heard jazz in my punk yeah. days when Pettibone turned me onto it because he didn't grow up with it. And I, could th- I thought it was really close to punk. It was just older guys. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I didn't know that Albert Eiler was in John Coltrane, they were already dead and stuff, and this stuff a lot that happened many years ago. I, I was really ignorant. But maybe in some ways that was kind of good because I didn't build up prejudices and judgments because right. it was. Because when you're young, you want to kind of dislike stuff that's older. All because, right. uh, yeah, this has already been done, and this is... Like in the Woodstock movie when uh, Sha Na Na comes on stage. You know? <laughs> in fact, you know what I notice nowadays is kids are way more accepting of older music. I mean, Black Sabbath is 30 years old, and they have no problem. Now, when I was a teenager, you know, in the early 70s, uh, to like music from the early 40s, <laughs> you know, people would go, what's with you, you know? That stuff's so old. But now kids don't have a problem that with punk that. Punk is older than oldies were then. Yeah, <laughs> like punk, what they would call new music. 25 years, they could vote, man. They could have a family and stuff if it was a person. And if that would have happened in my days, because I remember when Sha Na Na comes out in that movie and in the theater, and people were like, ugh. You know, and that was, at the time, only like 10 or 15 years old. So uh, people are a lot more forgiving now with the uh, young people. And uh, But maybe it's this sense of... Uh, a lot of the stuff they're getting delivered today is just so manufactured. Yeah, they don't yeah. feel part of it. Maybe there's this hankering for something yeah, genuine, something and they real. actually think the Black Sabbath and the ACDC actually more real than the, Britney Spears or the Biscuit or <laughs> whatever. The, we were saying the manufactured rage, the correct ways to be angry yeah. and rebellious, rebelling, selling, reselling instead of rebelling. Um, growing up with a bopper like Charlie Hayden as a pop you knew you were going to be in music but you didn't come out doing bop no you're doing uh, Josh Hayden Spain music uh yeah I, I don't know when I was growing up 
I thought everyone's parents were jazz musicians, you know. It, it wasn't that big of a deal to me. And uh, people, I, I don't know, everyone's different, you know. Some people think that, that jazz, especially free jazz, is just noise, and they, they can't deal with it. So it was surprising for me to, when, you know, someone I knew, a friend, would hear jazz and just, you know, kind of say, kind of not like it, you know, it, uh, or not understand it at least, because maybe it takes a while to understand it. Um, and that was always surprising to me. Yeah, but I think it's natural for kids to think what's going on in their family is kind of what everybody's sharing. Yeah, exactly. You know, like I thought everybody lived on Navy housing, and so there was a few civilians, and they were all millionaires. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody else lived on the base. Right. Was go- going to Catholic uh, yeah. church. Found out later I was way in the minority. Yeah, exactly. In a lot of things. Yeah. You know, so because you don't know. Yeah. Um, a lot of the media that brings in, well, nowadays I think they're a little more open about a different kind of things, but especially in my days, there was such a homogenized worldview being sold to people yeah. that you didn't. It didn't like um, instigate being curious, yeah. and uh, so people like your friends have an automatic knee-jerk reactions to jazz without even listening to it. To it. Right. Uh, you kind of uh, had an advantage, maybe. Yeah, but is that music built in a tolerance? Well, when when I heard when I was ten years old, I, I was nine or ten years old. I heard Pink Floyd for the first time. I that was revolutionary to me because <laughs> you hadn't really grown up with it. Yeah. See, so like uh, someone once said, it's not where you're from, it's where you're at. Uh, we're going to play some Arnett Coleman here, Your Father's on the Bass, a song that Joe Bison plays a lot, Lonely Woman, a lot from Pedro's show.
What from Pedro Show. That's uh, Savage Republic with Kill the Fascists. Band I played with a little a couple weeks ago, their big reunion, and uh, Bruce Leitcher gave me that CD of some old stuff. I think it's from uh, 1981, so it's 20 years old. Arizona, recorded live in Arizona. Before that, Concrete Eyes, uh, first track off the new Grandpa's Ghost record, something on Joe Carducci's owned and operated label. St. Louis band I brought on tour before. To soar on wings like eagles now, that would be nice. The lead track off uh, the new record by Ray Barbie, Skater. Gave it to me at a uh, gig in Long Beach. Alex's Bar. So funny, the guy gave me a t-shirt, right? And it's got the door praying hands, but it's holding a Budweiser. <laughs> and we start with Lonely Woman, Arnett Coleman. Hey, Steve. Steve Evans, come by here. Got a full house, watch Pedro show. Josh, you brought your guitar. Yeah. First of all, I want why this music is playing. We were talking about your record company and dealing with these people who sell the music. You want to extrapolate on that? Uh, They want to, you know, they're talking about uh, the next record. Oh, uh, well, you know, um, it's nothing surprising. It's just I don't know. I don't even know if it's it's. Uh, I don't know if I even think about it that much. But it's it's just like the 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 uh, the difference between business and and creativity, like uh, con- like having someone's efforts be just concentrated on making money. And making as much profit as possible, or making as much contribution to, to culture and hu- humanity as possible. Does that make? So there's a conflict. Yeah. is what you're saying. And like, I shared some of my thoughts about it. Like these cats could be selling socks. Yeah. They they don't have a curious drive. They we both agreed they don't really know that much about music. No. And not that they should know everything, but they uh, don't have curious uh, hankering drive to f- find things. Because look at the resources they command. They could let everyone know. Some cat could be in this tiny part of the world making a really ingenious or interesting endeavor yeah, exactly. music. And they could like let everyone know about this because yeah, of this exactly. resource they marshal, right? All this power, all this promotion. And yet they're looking at last week's charts... Yeah. To try to replicate, it's kind of squandering. But it's probably an age-old human problem of wanting to uh, consolidate. I mean, for propaganda purposes, yeah, sure, you'll say uh, platitudes like freedom and expression yeah. and diversity and all this. But yeah. when it comes down to it, you just want to be yeah, it was uh, magicians almost, right? We want to remove the coins from their pockets yeah. and put them into ours. Yeah, you know that band Chumbo Wumbo. I, yeah, Leeds band. Yeah. Um, Dose got to do some gigs with them. They oh, came here really? to tour maybe 12, 13 years ago. Oh, that's with, great. With uh, uh, Eve Libertine from uh, Crass was with Yeah. Them. Yeah, well, like, I, I heard that uh, for their... Remember the hit they had, that uh, drinking beer song? I forget the name of it. But um, they said, like, in an interview... 
you shouldn't buy this record. You should go to the store and steal it. And it was a major label record. And I remember the president of the company, I don't remember the company, but he was like, we want an apology from Chumbawamba. And, you know, how dare they say, steal this record. And then their A&R guy said, like, brought him aside and said, oh, you know, Chumbawamba are anarchists. And we signed the, these anarchists to the label. So it's cool if they say to steal it. So then the president apologized and said, no, it's okay. You can steal the record. It's all right. <laughs> I think the name of the new uh, system of down is called Steal This Record. Oh, really? <laughs> so maybe That's it's cool. caught on as a, yeah. yeah, if communism was hip, they'd sell that. Yep. And you know, uh, Abby Hoffman's book was called Steal This Book. Yep. So maybe it's not an old <laughs> idea. Okay, end of first hour. Hold tight for hour two. November 29, 2002. It's the second hour of the Watt from Pedro show. And live in the Love Grotto at the Pleasure Point here. Josh Hayden.
What from Pedro Show? Whoops. <laughs> Sorry about that. That was Pointy Kitty, nothing to me. Before that, we had Josh playing live, and now he's going to collaborate, Brother Matt, on another edition of the Spin Cycle. Take it, Brother Matt.
Thank you very much, Josh. Thank you. Watt from Pedro Show. We're going to play a record now that you picked, Josh, you brought from home. It's um, Rhythm and Sound. Yeah, tell us about that. Well, I don't know very much about them, but they're from Germany, and uh, they're making some really good music, in my opinion. Okay, here they are.
What from Pedro's show? That was some fishbone with uh, properties of propaganda. Fuck this shit up. Before that is Niknami Badam Dervo, which is a Macedonian gypsy folk song. I did a benefit called, uh, what was that called? It was a benefit thing during the war in the Balkans. That Kosovo stuff, bombing of Yugoslavia. It's called uh, Balkans Without Borders, and it's benefit for Doctors Without Borders group. And by the way, I just made a um, benefit single for those people again. Up in Vancouver, I was up there, and I, this uh, Vancouver band called Removal had me come over and do some spiel. Uh, they're an instrumental trio. So you went on a benefit and got rousted. Yeah. Yeah. I got in trouble at the border for not having a bag and looking weird and not normal. Because I was only going to be there a short time, so I didn't want to hassle bringing a bag. But that, you know, the very deep people go for very superficial <laughs> appearances and profiling. And so I got pulled aside and the whole interrogation, strip search and all that and I never have problems with the Canadian folks being a guest in their country and uh, that was not the case this time and after the, I did that I recorded with a band called um, The Next Day another Vancouver band called uh, System M Station M, I'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> System M, because, that's a funny joke this cat with some misinformation. That's what he called the band. But they're, they're called Station A, and they've opened for me twice up there. And their bass player fell off a roof 35 feet and Damn. almost died, crushed his Man. whole face and broke his wrists and all that. His name is Barry. They're very sweet guys, so I played bass on four songs on their next record. And Barry even was uh, well enough to play some guitar. There's no teeth. Man. And, uh, but he made it. And then almost died of pneumonia in the hospital, so... It's a very heavy thing. They fed, uh, fed me sous after. They were very kind to me. First time I ever went to Canada, really, not to play. <laughs> but I did play. <laughs> but I didn't do gigs. So both those things were really neat. Um, sometimes getting paid isn't always about money. You know, there's stuff you can do that's good for the spirit. Uh, that was Pete Mazich on the accordion. And his wife uh, Liliana singing, chair playing the bongos on that uh, uh, gypsy tune there. And we called the band My Guat and Masina, which means machine in the Croatian dialect of Serbo Croatian. <laughs> Before that, we had Bert, the infamous Bert, and his uh, precious CD <laughs> that he gave me on tour in Baltimore. Although I think he's from Philly, and I don't know the name of the song. Maybe Darkness. He kept saying that over and over. <laughs> Entitled track number two, though. And we started off uh, with Josh's pick, Making History by Rhythm and Sound, German band with the Chosen Brothers. Uh, coming on the end here, second hour of the Watt from Pedro show. Uh, third hour, we'll start off with, uh, I think we're up to part 16 now, the fourth Ooh. tower of Inverness. Uh, How many total? 
keeping us a bench. Like 34, 35. Wow. <laughs> so we're almost halfway. Um, it's turning gray, isn't it, Brother Max? Yeah, a little funky. It was sunny during the pedaling this morning, but Pedro is winding in. I guess it rained because we got, uh, you could see Catalina pretty clear. This is the best time of year for Pedro to get to see stuff because the marine yeah. layer is not heavy in November. Yeah, Santa Ana's blowing stuff. Out. That's right. Okay, hold tight for hour three coming up next. November 29, 2002. It's the third hour of the Watt from Pedro show, and here's part 16 of the fourth tower of Inverness. Jack Flanders has finally gained access to the mysterious fourth tower. After climbing the steps from the base of the tower, Jack found himself in front of a large door with cast iron hinges. Opening the door, he found himself in the living room of the Inverness mansion. But somehow it was different. Planets and stars shone brightly through the windows. He suddenly realized he was adrift in space. After a series of events we won't go into now, after all, it's the past anyhow, Jack stands again in the doorway of the tower, about to return inside. He hesitates. The stars are growing dimmer. The room is becoming brighter. The walls of the living room seem to stretch upward, higher and higher, until they become the steep sides of a mountain. The furniture dissolves into trees and rocks and boulders. Where the fishbowl rested upon the table is now a lake, with birds chattering happily among the cattails and marsh reeds. Where the ceiling was is now the sky, deep blue, cloudless. Where the heavy glass chandelier hung is now the sun, directly overhead, flooding the valley with soft warmth. At his feet, a narrow yellow brick road begins, or ends, and stretches out, weaving through the valley and disappearing out of sight. Where the bookcase stood is now woods, green and alive with the sound of birds in a warm breeze gently rustling the leaves. Jack stands there, bewildered by this strangeness that has taken place before his eyes. He stands silent for a moment, awed by the gentle beauty of this valley. He opens himself, all his senses alerted as he absorbs the valley. Jack is well aware that he is but a mere soft-backed bug in the presence of very powerful magic. Then he starts down the yellow brick road. He continues for some time until he comes to the lake. He stops looks at his reflection, and drops a pebble into the water. Makes a good circle. Why am I here? Where does this road lead? I don't think I'll get lost, since it must still be a part of Inverness. But I don't know. Stranger. Oh, it's old far-seeing art. No, it's not. This fellow's much shorter, younger. Sure sounded like old art. Howdy. Wow, that's weird. He's just gliding along. It looks like he's floating a few inches off the road. How you doing, young feller? 
Well, I'm all right so far. Hey, how do you do that? Say long, you mean? Mm-hmm. Well, it's simple. First, you pick up one foot. Yeah. That's right. Then t'other and... No, no. You don't put the first foot down again. Well, I understand what you mean, but it doesn't seem to work for me. Take off your boot there. Okay. Hmm, <clears throat> now, let me see. Hmm, no wonder. What are you wearing them things for? Those are my toes. I think they get in your way bunched up the end of your boot there. Why don't you carry them in your pocket? Well, I happen to be fond of those toes, and they're going to stay right where they are. This little piggy went to market. Hey. This little piggy stayed home. Would you please stop this... that? Aren't they a lot like little piggies? Oh, wow, another weirdo. Uh, look, tell me something. Am I safe in this place? Safe's a bean and bucket. Yeah. Well, uh, where does this brick road lead to? Leads to the palace of the wicked Kubla Kubla. Wicked Kubla Kubla? I thought you said this place is safe. Where you're standing be safe. I don't understand any of this. It's like a fairy tale. Yep. But it figures. What figures? Sit down, Sonny, and I'll explain it to you. You see, that tire there's a way of getting up to the different planes. Your third plane being, and this here's a fourth plane. Now what you're seeing is only a part of you. Because a part of you exists in all the planes. Like where do fairy tales come from? From here. Like when you get zapped with an inspiration. She comes from that part of you that exists in that plane. That's why you got a book there and that ain't been published yet on your plane. These things are let go according to the big plan. Now the thing you gotta do is you wanna grow and get out of here with your hide intact. And integrate yourself with all your planes. And that's what you're doing even though you didn't know it. But you're in a special situation. Very special. I don't understand any of this. Well, Sonny, it's a lot like when people die on your plane, you know. And their ghosts hang around because they're attached to that place. They remain the same. If they were miserable in life, they're miserable in death. You need a body to work things out. Is that true? I ain't finished. So you see, there's demons lurking around, filled with mischief, and they'd love to get their claws on a body like yours. Yep, they sure would. I think I'm beginning to see. Even all the heavenly gods have great respect for your human body. It's a sacred thing, Sonny. Yep, as they say, around these parts, a good body is worth a thousand dreams. Temptation, greed, envy, jealousy, you name it. It has a particular vibration of its own and attracts a like vibration. The stronger it is, the more it attracts. Since you ain't no saint yet, watch out. Kubla Kubla and his band of demented dwarfs would love to have your hide stretched out on his throne. You see? Hmm. 
Yeah, I think I'll stay here in the valley. That's what you ought to do if you had a choice. What does that mean? You're looking for Sir Henry Giles, ain't you? You know about Lord Giles? He passed through here some time back. Well, did he make it through all right? Dunno. He followed that yellow brick road there, right through the palace of the wicked Kubla Kubla. There's no way of going around? No. Runs right past the foot of his throne, so's he can leer down at every traveler. But people do get through. All the time. But as I said, most don't take their bodies long with them. Like you and Jals and some others. But there's advantages. Like what? Your aura. You mean my aura? Yeah, your aura. Them demons try to get you one of two ways. Breaking down your mind so your aura gets weak. And it can puncture through. Or simply finding a weak spot in your aura and hammer away. You mean the aura will act as armor? Yep. You seem pretty healthy, though. Should be a good match. Well, that makes me feel better. Anything else? Yep. Don't fight them. What? Can't likely win if you fight them on their own ground. The energy you put out to keep them away will only weaken you. And they'll come in closer. Hmm. I think I see. Only if you're not attached can you fight them and whop them good, you see? Yeah. I gotta keep cool. You gotta be cool without any gotting to be anything. Hmm. That's pretty subtle. Yep. That's why not so many people get by them. Well, thanks a lot. I don't know what would have happened to me if you hadn't come along. When you need someone to tell you something... Just stop and listen. They'll be there. Well, thanks again. I'll, I'll be safe. Hey, staying. ain't you gonna take a weapon? What kind of weapon? Seeing you don't got nothing, take this a here staff of mine. You mean that stick? That stick is as flexible as a sword, sonny. Many a wise-ass demon's had his smart remarks cleaved in two by Sarah here. Take good care of her. Well, I'm glad to meet you, Sarah. Don't you start getting smart with her. See you later, alligator. <laughs> oh, well. Onwards to the palace of the wicked Kubla Kubla. Oh, and remember... How Sarah! Who was that stranger? Follow the yellow big road. I follow the yellow big road. I follow the yellow big road. I follow the yellow big road. The yellow brick road wove through the warm, peaceful valley. Then it started up through the mountains. Jack continued. Everything was somehow familiar to him. Suddenly he felt a presence. He looked up. And there it was, high upon a mountaintop, squatting like a giant jewel encrusted toad. The seven-spiral palace of the wicked Kubla Kubla. Kubla Kubla. <laughs> 
I'm running through this illusion at this moment. I was born at the moment of conception. I entered into... I entered into an illusion. I entered into an illusion. And that illusion is my body, my personality, all of my labelable identities, my environment, everything that has ever or will ever happen to me. It's all just stuff going by. It is all within time and who I am is not within time because I am. I have always been, I will always be. All that with changes, changes only within the illusion for it is all eternal. And all we see before us, everywhere we look, where we see anything is transformation of energy. That's what you see. You see change. You be eternal and you see change. The fourth Tower of Inverness is a continuing serial being brought to you each week, Monday through Friday.
that was a holy man? You mean the pock marks or the... What? Oh, that was a low-down joke. I didn't even want to spill it on my... Who Charles? Who Charles? Okay, let's go on. God damn, I'm getting as bored as you are. I don't need a Cleopatra. I'm always exposing myself. I go out on the front porch in my shorts, bend over to pick up the paper, and my parts fall out. <laughs> I sunbathe nude in the backyard, and, and sometimes I stand up. You fool, Linda says, Mrs. Catherty can see you over the wall. Where is she, I ask. She's standing there watering her rose bushes. Oh, get down. To me, nudity is a joke. I don't think nude people are very attractive at all. I like my women fully clothed. I like to imagine what might be under there. It might not be the standard thing. <laughs> Imagine stripping a woman down and she has a body like a little submarine <laughs> with periscope propellers torpedoes. That would be the one for me. I'd marry her right off and be faithful to the end. <laughs> this one's not so good. I'm going to read it because it's true. That's all. I like it. It's called Hemingway. Yeah, you know, like me. Kind of almost like, but not quite. Okay. Hemingway. She said it was in Havana in 1953 and she was visiting him and one day she saw him and it was in the afternoon and he was drunk. He was stretched out on these pillows, drunk. And she took a photo of him and he looked up and said, Don't you dare 
Don't you dare give that photo to anybody. Once she came from Italy this summer to visit me, she told me about it, and I said, that must be some photo. She told me that my house was very, very much like his. We drank, had dinner somewhere. Then she had to take a plane out. The photo is framed at the bottom of my stairway now, looking north. He was fat, and he was drunk, and he's in the right place. <laughs> is there anybody here tough enough to try me? Try some shit. Do some anger. We're too Oh, that's good. You fight him, you know. Okay. Bandini, you should all read a guy called John Fante. That was a man outside of, you know, Celine. Okay, I'm not going to talk too long. But this guy is a tough motherfucking guy who writes better than I do. Almost better than I do. <laughs> His name is John Fante. He has one leg gone, he's blind, and there's nothing left of him. But he's got more human soul than the whole crowd of you sitting there. I would guess that. I might be wrong. John, wrong. John Fanti is my buddy out of nowhere. I love him. So let me get on. He's better than a good man. He's a magic person. Everybody should read John Fante. Ask the dust. Wait until spring, Bandini. They go red. Brotherhood of the Great. Okay. Authority! Bullshit! Authority! Bullshit! 
Watt from Pedro Show. There's some Black Flag with uh, I've Heard It Before. Before that, we had an excerpt from uh, Charles Bukowski and his infamous hostage record mm-hmm. recorded over here at the Sweetwater in Redondo Beach in, uh, what, 1980, 81, something like that? Yes. Um, for that, Urinals with their first single, Last Days of Man on Earth. Got to play with them in Savage Republic. Have a new guitarist. I guess he's been in the band a year. They're great. For that, uh, The Light by Don Fleming, one of his solo records. And then something Josh picked, a song called One by Keith Berry, jazz violist. Yeah, jazz viola player. Viola. Now, a viola is bigger than a violin, yeah. but it ain't a cello. No. Yeah. Can still fit on the arm, or the. I guess rednecks played on the arm, <laughs> on the uh, shoulder. Spot plays viol. Guy who did our old Minutemen right. and stuff. Yeah. He lives in Austin now. But he calls it a fadola. <laughs> and we started with part 16, Fourth Tower of Inverness. It's getting more interesting for Jack. He uh, got some sage advice by. Uh, Strange cracker. <laughs> uh, Josh, so you're going to record this record soon? Yes. You got a name for it? No. You got 50 songs, but only four are ready. Yeah. So soon you're going to be no, whittling down. Only four are good enough. Four the are good enough. The rest of them aren't very good. So 46. Yeah. You got to pare it down yeah. a little bit and develop. Uh, how do you show up? How do you do it with your guys? Do you make a four-track demo and say, here's your parts? Um, or do you play them your thing and then they just uh, collaborate? Uh, like a combination, basically. I, I don't play any other instruments except bass, so I, I kind of have to explain it to the, the other band members. And like um, my friend Merlo, and he plays rhythm guitar in the band. He's really good at translating it. Do you make it's, like mouth sounds? I mean, I'm in the same position. Sometimes, I'm just a bass yeah. player, so I have to like, yeah, exactly. Make mouth, do 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 do. Yeah, <laughs> and then I use other kinds of things like that aren't even musical. Yeah, got to play a part that sounds like chocolate cake, right? And, like that. and see what people <laughs> to do. It is a trippy position to lead a band uh, when you're on a backup instrument. Yeah, but in some ways, I think it's really good. Because I think it brings in the band more. Because obviously you look good making them look good. So you get that kind of added inspiration better than, here, just play something behind me while I right. go off. You know, George right. Thorogood and the Destroyers. <laughs> How'd you like to be one of the Destroyers? <laughs> Destroyed. <laughs> I don't think they do much of the destroying, you know. <laughs> Keep it down for me, boys, you know. Where if you're the backup guy, it's it's kind of trippy situation. And so uh, you practice up the songs. You don't really write in the studio, do you? I know about Um, these bands that sometimes I I have to. Yeah, it's kind of expensive. Maybe cheaper for a practice band. Yeah, (laughs) that's why I do. I try to have my guys all practice. Although I did do a record that opera engine room I did where we did a song a day wow because I wanted it to be uh, a trippy kind of thing 
away from what I was used to. And Nels Klein comes from tradition of improvisation. Mm -hmm. And it was pretty, uh, not too hard for Hodges either. But a lot of cats there, what? I don't get to practice this a million times or, f or work out parts. It's a nightmare for him. Somebody like Nels. I get to play with Nels tonight, and we get to do Stooges. So I've got five Stooges bands. In. <laughs> this is one of the more interesting ones because uh, where he comes from. He was in your Pops Liberation Orchestra, yep. toured with him. Mm -hmm. When I met him, acoustic yep. player. Never when I first heard him play, I never heard electric. And like I was saying before, I did, never knew of this block and the yeah. wave kind of thing. Yeah. So it's interesting the tango pass I get weaved. Yeah, block was great. You like you yeah. saw him play, huh? Yeah. Oh, that wow. was years. You told me they did a lot of gigs at Club Lingerie. Yeah. Madame Wong's West. Madame Wong's mm. That was a total new wave. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so was the Wong's in Chinatown. The first one. Uh -huh. But there was some punk gigs there. I saw the Bags and the Alley Cats play there, and it was total riot. Wow. Yeah, very angry. There was a Madame Wong, a little yeah. lady. Yeah. And she thought it was out of hand. I mean, there was, this is before hardcore, right? There's no, like, slamming and all this, but just... <clears throat> people were uptight. They were uptight about that scene. And no more of this! <laughs> booted everybody out, you know? <laughs> She wanted the, the, the skinny tie brigade was like. <laughs> By the way, there's a picture on the hoop page of us since 1978 when we were called the Reactionaries, and I have a skinny tie. <laughs> <laughs> kind of poofy hair, dude. <laughs> Funny picture. There's four of us because Martin Timbervich was, besides myself, D. Boone and George Hurley. Actually, the apartment where we started the Minutemen is. Right here on 19th. Wow. So when I do my bike ride, I always go buy it. Joe Biza was wow. living downstairs. Wow. Gary Jacobi. Joe Biza's pad was like a hamster cage. He must have had like 10 years of newspapers <laughs> on the floor. <laughs> and the way uh, it was kind of sunk in. So the window over the kitchen sink, was the sill was like with the cement. And there was these, the pads in the backyard of a pad. And this, these people up front had big old Great Danes, big mountain castle shits, you know. And the lady get out there to hose down the turds and go right through the screen oh. of the kitchen window all into the sink. <laughs> 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 kind of disgusting. Anyway, Joe Bison would say, yeah, I would hear this pounding on the roof, you know, on the ceiling. And see me and Dee Boone. There's a period between the reactionaries and the Minutemen where we don't have a drummer when we come up with the first Minutemen song. So to keep the beat while we're learning it, sitting on Dee Boone's bed, and we're just pounding with our feet, you know? <laughs> so like I said, Joe Bison couldn't hear because we're not using amplifiers on the guitars. It's not plugged in on the bass of the guitar. So all he's hearing is this stomping around like spastic. <laughs> so we had really little songs. Well, the point was in the old days, not to really have one song. We were really embarrassed about learning off of records and knowing rock and roll because these punk rockers, they were just learning as they picked up their instruments. So we felt it like we were all tainted by, you know, the old stuff. And so we would use these severe, severe devices so people would know, you know, 
come from Blue Oyster Cult and T-Rex and Chuck Berry and that stuff. So the point was not to have one song. Like the whole set would be this one song. So all these little parts would be like big opera or something. So Jabizi couldn't figure out what was going on up there. We were kind of <laughs> dancing. It was funny. Then we met him. Jabizi taught himself guitar at 27. Wow. Never played as a kid. Artist. Just thought, well, you know, I want to play guitar. So uh, he went for it. Uh, Steve Evans is here, a guy I went to high school with. We were talking about people who died since high school and stuff. And I'm going to play a song here from a band called For Squirrels, a Florida band from Gainesville. They got killed in a van wreck. And this is called Orange Worker. What? Peter Show.
Watt from Pedro Show. That's some live Arthur Lee in love. He's out of jail. He's doing gigs again. And that's Stephanie Knows Who from uh, in May at the Shit Factory here in Hollywood. Well, not here in Pedro, but up north in Hollywood. For that, we had uh, Now That You've Gone, Delta 5, Leeds Band from the early 80s. And we started with Orange Worker. For Squirrels, Gainesville band. They had a horrible tragedy. The guy's getting killed. Which is a intense thing. It's weird, you know, Darby got killed, the guy he sang for the Germs at 22. Same day John Lennon was shot. 
And it's weird, when I think of Darby, I don't think of him as a 22-year-old kid, which is pretty young, huh? Mm-hmm. Because they kind of age with you. Same with D. Boone. When I think of D. Boone, I don't think of him as 27-year-old. I think of him, you know. By the way, uh, three more weeks, I'm 45 years young. Ain't that true? My sister just had a birthday. My little sister turned 40, and she was having a crisis over that. So I spent all yesterday, Thanksgiving, chatting with my mom and my sisters, and really talking with Marilyn about those things. That in some ways it's good to be a little older because of the wisdom. It's lame on the body a little bit. We're not as resilient. But I have to say, in a lot of ways, I'm better health than any of my 30s. <laughs> I mean, I can't bounce back. I have to be much more conservative and marshal my energies more. But because of the blows you take, if you, if you, you really pay for your mistakes mm -hmm. physically. So I'm a little more responsible than I was. 20s is totally crazy, right? Because in your body can take it. 30s, you begin to start paying for that, that life. By 40s, if you don't change, you die. <laughs> Here we are. Time is a locomotive, and it just... Shoves you on down the line. So you don't really get a say in the matter. And a lot of those things, what we call wisdom, you get through experience and you can't have as a young person. So there are, there's something about getting old that ain't totally late. So, but you know the way with consumer mentality and marketing a youth as a precious commodity, people, especially girls, I think there's even more pressure. Like you've had it if you're older. By and you're just days. supposed to go into some waiting room and, you know, hang out till you die. What's that about? Um, we saw Elvin Jones, right? In the 70s. You know, I mean, he was something else. He's playing a little slower, you know. But he was still. And he's got young guys in the band. And where else could they get some of that knowledge, you know? He's handing down stuff. You can still be vital in an older person. And a lot of it's just circumstance where you are anyway. Vis-a-vis uh, -vis someone else's life and their years, their experience. How old are you now, Josh? 34. And when we first uh, did that treacherous jaywalkers, you were still a teenager. Yeah, yeah, I was probably 17 or 18, 16. That's a trip. Yeah. Kind of neat to be able to start making records that young. Yeah. Andy Boom, we were 22 when we made our first one. And uh, it was very exciting for us. We were so afraid. In those days, you had to, uh, well, we did, the bands that we hung out with had to uh, record on downtime. So it'd be like midnight to six. We never record during the daytime. A lot of times, mix the same night you record. So a lot of ways the records were just gigs in front of the microphones. You could not write in the studio. You'd have to have that all down and just go for it. It's a very exciting time. But like Joe buys at 27, learning the guitar. I mean, when, when you know, no wine before it's time. So it's a lot of circumstance. And then some people, younger people, oh, you know, you're from the original day and I'm part of this and it's a jive. And I tell them, don't worry. And it's circumstance. Okay, I think it's a very fortunate thing that people get together and meet anyway. 
So wherever they're coming from, whatever they haven't come from and are still to learn, it's all great stuff to help motivate each other and prove to each other we're alive. So we can't let outside things make us feel small and weak and powerless just because they want us to hanker and chase uh, after whatever. Right? we got to defend yes. ourselves. we got that right. Yes. Okay. It's the end of another Watt from Pedro show. We don't get to play uh, one of many. The CD some cat gave me. But um, I'm not going to be here next week. I'm going to be in Europe. I'm going to play four gigs with Jay Maskus and the Ashton Brothers. So the week after that, Brother Matt, another show? Cool. Okay. And i got to record that bass thing for you when I get time. Steve yeah. Evans. Josh, I want to thank you much for being my guest today. Thank you. Okay. Good luck with the record. Thanks. Thanks, Kristen, for coming on. Okay. April, uh, no, it's November 29, 2002. Watt from Pedro Show. Over. Keep your powder dry.